and welcome to the Conservative Atheist Podcast. I'm your host, the Conservative Atheist, and we're going to be discussing some of the hottest, controversial, and in many cases considered taboo topics. We cover every issue you've ever considered, and several you haven't even thought of, from the unique perspective of a conservative atheist. Enjoy! And welcome back to the Conservative Atheist Podcast. I'm your host, the Conservative Atheist, and I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Brad Later. Hey, guys. And today we're talking about why the left hates free speech. Uh, free speech in general, but why the left specifically hates free speech. And uh, it's become more and more prevalent, not just on college campuses, but in general. Uh, they talk about hate speech. Um, you know, as if there's a different category for hate speech. Oh, I'm for free speech, but not hate speech. Well, you know, who says what hate speech is? Who decides that? Who decides where to draw the line? Either all speech is free or no speech is free. Uh, the idea that uh, you can decide, well, this, this, this speech is, is uh, okay, but this speech isn't. That's not free speech. Free speech is not for for things people say that everybody loves, because who's complaining? Nobody's complaining. Free speech is for things that people say that people don't want to hear. For, for example, I'm an atheist. If I say there is no God, which I don't say that often because uh, to me it's irrelevant at this point. I, I focus on, you know, the here and now. But if I say there is no God, you know, uh, in certain countries in this world, I could get killed, right, or thrown in prison. Yeah, i I think you're mostly right. I I by and large agree with you uh, as far as why the left hates free speech. I think the crux of it, when you really see them start to delineate between, oh well, this is good speech or this is free speech, and that's hate speech, and really kind of <laughs> really try to delineate this and really try to demarcate it. I think it really does say that uh, in their psyche. They view just certain just absolutely just and abhorrent and something that's just going to lead perils and that's you can very easily kind of demarcate between what's good and bad. Which obviously, the whole problem with that is is that uh, it's actually not that hard to it's actually not that demarcate what's good and bad. I mean, I've heard I've heard other people say this that one of the things I've always been kind of uh, baffled by is I'll say something like, uh, you know, I think I I believe in free speech absolutism absolutism, but the one pitfall of it is, is that, uh, okay, well, you could have like horrific Nazis that could, that could, uh, I guess seemingly coalesce and do whatever they want in the United States. That's true. And I, usually I remember the pushback I always get on this or the times I've brought this up, some people bring up that, oh, well, they're objectively wrong. Why should you want them to have, why should you want them to have speech or they've, that, that ideology has been proven false or just particularly malicious. And I think they're right to some extent. But the problem is, is that uh, it's not going to stop there, that, OK, maybe 99.9% .9 of people agree that that's objectively wrong. But what about the stuff where there's gray areas such as like issues, you know? Well, what about issues where people think that something else is objectively wrong? I mean, there was a time in this country and, and there's, you know, as I said, in other countries right now, currently, where the idea, the notion that there is no God is objectively wrong. 
according to them. Yeah. Well, I think, yeah, there's definitely that where the, the whole problem and I mean, not to, I don't think we're going to go that in depth on kind of the uh, philosophy of free speech, but, or for why people should be pro-free speech, but it's simply that it really just boils down to us as human beings. We have a lot of cognitive biases. We're not particularly good at regulating our cognitive biases by ourselves. Therefore, it's always just going to kind of, uh, uh, it's always, it, they're always just going to peek their ugly head. And therefore, we can't really expect ourselves to really kind of regulate uh, what should be good or bad. Because there could be stuff that is not really objectively bad that we basically say, no, you shouldn't be able to say this. And this should be something that's totally off limits. Well, yeah, we've, we've already experienced that on Twitter. Um, and it's, you know, Twitter, Elon Musk took over Twitter. And uh, it hasn't made it as free as, I, as, I'd hope it, as I'd hoped it would. But it is a lot more free. Um, you don't get your account snatched as easily. But the idea, if you say that, you know, that um, transgender is a mental illness that's in desperate need of uh, proper psychiatric care and not encouragement. Um, I, I truly believe that. That's my sincere belief. I'm not being mean. I'm not being hateful. I don't hate anybody. But I truly believe that's the case. And according to them, that's hate speech, and that's beyond the pale. And uh, you can't say it. And uh, if you do, they, they want to uh, eliminate your ability to speak. Right. Yeah, I mean, it's if anything, it just kind of goes to the point that uh, I mean, if you're going to say hate speech, one, it just shows that you're incredibly emotional about something, which I mean, maybe there are some things that you could get emotional about and it would be somewhat founded, like thinking Nazis are horrible, which I mean, I think Nazis are horrible. But if I see a Nazi, I'm not going to get that emotional. I'm probably just going to think they're really just a moron or something. Whereas with a lot of these people, they seem to think that. letting this kind of speech, I guess, out there will, or letting people actually say what they want to say without uh, legal repercussions is ultimately going to lead to just a, I don't know, I guess just violence on the streets. And that's, that's ultimately the pitfalls of a lot of this, which. Well, really- the funny thing is, is they, they commit, they, they say that they're worried that say, being able to say certain things will create violence on the streets. And to make sure that doesn't happen, they commit violence on the streets. Yeah. Well, there's something that you can grapple with there. And I mean, I think on a trivial level, you could say that to somebody who has like neo-Nazi beliefs is probably going <laughs> to is probably much more likely to do violent stuff. But one, well, there's a couple of problems with, I guess, just kind of regulating it. And one is that you can look at the rest of the world that actually has hate speech laws, particularly under stuff like the Holocaust nihilism, which if you're a Nazi, you're probably going to deny that. And they actually have higher rates of anti-Semitism than the right than uh, we do in the United States. Oh yeah, German, Germany. Anti-Semitism has not died in Germany. It absolutely has not died in Germany. It hasn't died in Poland. Right. Uh, in Germany, there's a lot of uh, Germany and Austria. There's a lot of anti-Semites, uh, and those aren't the only two countries. But you know, because of the world, you know, because of World War II and and the Holocaust, and all that, you'd think that would be the least last place for that to exist. But it's actually very, very common and very popular in those countries. Yeah. I mean, I also think that uh, there's also other kind of, I guess, kind of getting into more general uh, philosophy of free speech. I think the whole, or at least I think, I think you could do this at least, is that uh, if you actually let people have a kind of medium that uh, is free speech absolutist, where every debate, where every issue can be debated, I think it's pretty clear to see, okay, well, this issue is just fucking stupid. You know, and you get to see that, uh, okay, well, you're, you're advocating for some ridiculous anti-Semitic theory and you can't back it up with facts and you just start to posit conspiracies. And I think that's very kind of a uh, very kind of conspicuous amongst most people. 
Well, I think that, well, I, well, I, I, I enjoy engaging people in debate that believe crazy shit. I, I enjoy humiliating, humiliating them and, and exposing the stupidity of their arguments. Um, but I, you know, and, and there are some people that, that like nine 11 truthers where I'm so just so exhausted with it that I don't engage, but what I don't do as crazy and as, as annoying and as offensive as I consider nine 11 truthers, uh, what, and the people that believe that Sandy hook was a, uh, you know, a, you know, a false flag and all that bullshit. What I don't do is I don't try to prevent these people from saying what they're saying. I, I, I may not engage. I may think they're fools. It may, I mean, the Sandy Hook thing bothers me uh, really bad. The the um, 9-11 used to bother me, but now it's just stupid. And I just don't want to engage with somebody that's crazy um, because it's just, you know, we just go in circles and they just make shit up and, and there's no point. But uh, I, I don't try to keep them from saying the same the things that they're saying. Right. Well, so I remember uh, uh, Halsey English, uh, who we've interviewed before. Uh, he one of the things I always knew about him is that he would debate these Nazis, and he always found the Nazis like to say that. Uh, and maybe they, maybe I could see how some people would give some credence to this argument. They would say that, oh, well, we must be correct because we're not allowed to say it. And then the first thing he would get up, and then they would always say to him that, oh, well, they try to silence us. They try to silence us, and he would immediately interject with, no, I think you guys are fucking crazy. I want people to see how crazy you are. Right. That's why I debate you people. And I think that's, 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 that's the way to go. Yeah, I think that's a good vignette for really what free speech is, or at least in theory, supposed to do, which I think in practice it happens as well, is that you let people debate stuff that uh, you let people debate stuff. And I think you at least have to say people are rational enough or enough people could be rational to see something's batshit crazy. You know, if you believe in your arguments, if you believe strongly that the other person's wrong, then just defeat, engage with them. And that's the other thing the, the left won't do. Engage with them and defeat them in argument. The left refuses to do that. They don't like to engage in debate for the most part. There's a few that will, but most turn tail and run. They say things and then they, they won't debate at all. And, uh, and, and that's because they, you know, there's, they know that their arguments are weak. They think they're right, but they know their arguments are weak. Right. Yeah. I think that's, I think that's, that's probably correct. And I, I would say kind of pivoting a bit, which the, the one thing I've always been baffled on with kind of left wingers and, or why, why left wingers abhor free speech is that they seem to think that, uh, well, I guess this kind of goes to show is that they seem to think that if you get rid of free speech or free speech absolutism, all you're going to do is basically just get all you're going to do is just jettison hate speech. And it's going to be, be able to very much quell that. And we're going to have like a uh, meaningful ideas be debated and not like these, I don't know, these backwards ones, which they really don't seem to understand that a lot of this stuff can ultimately be used against them, which. Yeah. They, yeah. They, they don't understand that at all. They, they never. They, it's just like them uh, using the government. Um, you know, going after Trump and saying that he, he took papers he shouldn't have taken um, and, uh, you know, that he didn't declassify him. He said he did, but they say he didn't and saying that he shouldn't have done it and uh, how horrible it was. And it was treason. <laughs> One guy said he deserved the death penalty, which is just fucking crazy. And then when, it, you know, they don't. OK, so they, they go to the extreme on something on something that's trivial. And then when, when come to find out Biden did the exact same thing, if not worse, then they're like, oh, well, oh, well, uh, you know, uh, it's different. <laughs> yeah. You got to realize when you, when you do shit, 
when you when you take things too fucking far, when you when you uh, when you try to you know demonize somebody and you try to dr- destroy their lives and and hold them to a certain standard, if if the if the tables get turned, you're going to be screwed because you set the precedent. Right. Well, I think the one thing that's uh, particularly pertinent with this on the left, and uh, I've been seeing a lot of articles about this lately, is that uh, we're starting to see we're starting to see lawmakers or state lawmakers in particular, usually just deep South states where they're proposing laws that say that uh, you basically cannot uh, aid in the bed in abortion, which on some level means you can't advocate for it. And we're even seeing in a state, I believe it was Arkansas or Mississippi. I can't remember which one where the attorney general is trying to get billboards taken down that have to do with, uh, I guess where a woman can get an abortion. Cause I guess in their particular state, uh, abortion is outlawed. And I don't think. Well, 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 listen, if it's if it's illegal in that state, then that's that's actually a pretty decent argument. Well, the problem with that, and I think that's undercutting. I think if you believe that well, being a free speech absolutist, I think you're undercutting a major tenet of free speech. And they're saying that something that a, a lot of people agree with and a lot of people that disagree with can't debate it. Well, you, you can debate it, but telling somebody how they can get around the law, that's a that's a little bit different. That's no, they're, a, not. A, they're, they're not. What are they doing? No, they're not telling them how to get along uh, or, or uh, I guess, uh, circumnavigate the law or upend the law in that state. They're telling them how or in that particular state, they're telling them that you can do it in another state if you want. Right. So the, but so but that's the same difference. Yeah, but you're telling- that's, like, that's like saying that's like telling somebody, you know what? You can't you can't you can't fuck a, a, a 17, 16 year old in this state. But if you go one state over or two states over, you you know, they're up for grabs. No, you can tell people that. Uh, you might get in trouble for that, actually. I don't know. I, I mean, I, if you did it like on a on a billboard, I don't know. Yeah. Well, the point is, is that you have somebody advocating, which I would still say that what you're arguing, and I think it's very antithetical, or I think it, it is antithetical on some level to free speech absolutism, saying that people can't advocate for a certain policy. Just- oh, they can ag- advocate for a policy in their state, but if they if they're advocating for getting around the law in their state, that's something different. Um you know, it's it's it, if they're trying to tell you how to break the law, um, but a way around it so that you're not really breaking the law. That's that's a that's a little different. No, but the whole point there is that the law wouldn't be broken in that state. No, yeah. I know, but you're you're advocating for it in a state that it, where it is illegal. Yeah, but I'm saying that you still have people disagreeing with it. I, I I don't I don't I don't consider telling people how to get around breaking the laws as part of free speech. Oh, be I like, yeah, I mean, I mean, free speech is your, your freedom for your opinion. You ad, if you advocate for a, abortion to be legal in your state, that that's per, perfectly within within bounds. But telling people, hey, listen, go to some other state and, and get your abortion. That's a little bit different. That's like, oh. it's, you know, that's that's saying, you know, that's that's saying there's a way to break the law in this state without breaking the law in this state. Yeah. Yeah, well. I mean, I guess I already made the, I already made, I think what I think is the trivial point that to, one is breaking the law in one state and it's not a law, it's not breaking the law in another. But my right. point there is that to, you're, we're seeing states now, which the most pertinent case, which uh, I think actually has a chance of coming to fruition is the case in Mississippi where, or Arkansas, Mississippi, I'm not quite sure which one, where the attorney general is trying to take down billboards. But you're also seeing other states where, and to be to be clear, I don't think this there's actually much plausibility as far as these passing. But in a state like South Carolina, where somebody's saying that you can't aid in a bed an abortion, 
which if you tell someone that no no you can't advocate for something that's a you can't you can't advise for somebody to get something in a state because it's illegal i think that's in whereas whereas in the country as a whole there's other states where it is legal i think that's a very very weird precedent to set for somebody that's a free speech or or a very uh very antithetical precedent for i guess being a free speech absolutist which i think the left the left in particular has to be very mindful of i i mean i i would be upset if somebody uh tried to tell somebody how to how to have sex with an underage girl by going to a different state that that, that allows it no i would consider that beyond the bounds I if oh the law is eighteen here. Oh, go 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 to go next door to the next state, and you can. It, she's it's sixteen there. Yeah, I think you have putting to... that I'm putting that on billboards. I I would have a problem with that. Yeah. Now, if they put on billboards that they wanted to change the age of consent to sixteen in that state, that would be that would be something different. Okay. Well, I guess one well one aspect that uh, I would probably disagree or not really disagree with, but somewhat be perplexed by is that you seem to think that. Uh, that it's terrible to say, oh well, the law is this. The law is this in this state. So, you telling somebody to do it in another state that should be viewed as something that perhaps could be illegal. But then you think that, oh well, if somebody wants to advocate for the law changing, then that's fine. Yeah. I don't really see how there's a substantial difference. Well, advo- advocating for well, one is you're advocating how to how to go how to go around or break the law in your state without without actually breaking the law. And the other is um, telling somebody here's how you change things so that you can do it legally here. Yeah, but I guess the point I guess the point there is that uh, I'm never for somebody telling somebody how to break the law. Okay. Well, I guess the point my point with this would be or where I would think it is, I think it would be like, okay, well, I want to drive 150 miles on a highway and I can't do it in this state, but somebody says to me, "Well, you can drive 150 miles on another state." Or mm, particular highways. A little different. Well, how is it different? Well, one one involves one involves death. Well, think, one, one, one's just driving fast. Okay. This probably gives a good uh, kind of segue back to the point I was making about kind of left-wingers, which are kind of left-wingers being antithetical to free speech. And what I've been reading and from a lot of left-wingers that are pro-free speech is that, look, the right, if you kind of uh, jettison free speech absolutism, the right could very well say that, wait, you're advocating for abortion? That's murder, you know? Right. That's the same as advocating for hitman, which by their own principles, they should be able to do that. Whereas it seems like the only bulwark you'd have against uh, or these kind of laws coming into effect is if uh, you actually endorse kind of a free speech absolutist platform, which also kind of advocates for the general philosophy of free speech, where if something has some agreement or there's some disagreement without in society, you let people debate upon that policy. You don't say that, oh, no, you don't get to you don't get to uh, pine on this or you don't get to have any sort of uh, or you don't get to have any sort of say in the kind of applications of this. And I think that- yeah, yeah, yeah. I completely agree with people debating on an issue. Say, I want to change the abortion laws in my state, even if the person is pro-choice or pro-abortion or whatever you want to call it. If they, if they, uh, if they want to have that debate in their state, that's fine. I have no problem with that. Okay, I would still say that, uh, and obviously this is kind of an aside. I still think to some extent it's a little bit weird that to you would be totally in favor of a state changing or wanting to change the abortion laws or people want or being fine with people advocating for the changing of abortion laws. But well, I'll, would... t- I'll tell you, I, I have no problem with marijuana. Okay. I have absolutely no problem with marijuana, but if, if there was a state where the, where, the, where marijuana was illegal 
and people wanted to put up billboards, go to go to uh, so this other state so you can buy marijuana. That would be that's that's that would not be good. Okay. And in fact, when you're selling certain things online, um, there's people that you have to be mindful whether it's legal in that state or not. And uh, even online, they'll tell you it, it may not you may not be able to purchase this legally in your state. Yeah. Even though it's online, it's cyber. Yeah, I guess I guess in particularly the marijuana example, which uh, I guess people putting up billboards for advocating for marijuana, which honestly, that well, no, I, no, 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 no. I have no problem with people putting up billboards advocating for marijuana. No, I, but I if it's illegal in that state, I do have a problem with them putting up billboards saying, hey, go to Colorado and buy marijuana. Yeah, I miss I was about to correct myself. I, I misspoke. But yeah, if something like that happens, which. The only kind of, I guess, maybe this wouldn't be enough to actually constitute my not wanting to do it or be against it, but I could see a pitfall of people ultimately wanting to bring it back. But I think if somebody advocates for marijuana in a state where it's not legal or advocate for somebody going to a state where marijuana is legal, where it is not elite, where it is not legal, I don't have a problem with that. Okay. I, I, guess, yeah. uh, I guess kind of <laughs> my last... Uh, my last word on this is that uh, I still think it's antithetical to kind of a free speech absolutist kind of platform to say that, uh, oh, you can't do this in another state in which it's legal because it's illegal in another. I think you ultimately have to let people make decisions like that. And you also ultimately have to let people kind of opine on that. And I also think you get kind of weird pitfalls of, well, where, where do you kind of draw the line and people kind of opining on stuff? You know, I mean, if a woman kind of on her own agency, she decides to go to another state to get an abortion. What, what do you do if like maybe she maybe she got advocate or somebody opined on it in another state and that's why she did it. And let's say that person wants to go to your particular state where the person that opined on it wants to go to your state where abortions outlawed, you know, I think it becomes kind of this murky issue. And I think this is where something like uh, free speech absolutism is particularly pertinent. Yeah. I'm, I'm never for somebody advocating how to break laws. Even, okay. even, even laws I disagree with. Okay. So I, I guess just a kind of a, I guess bookending. Well, we've kind of already made all the points there. I guess my, my main point there as it relates to kind of leftist is that uh, it, obviously you could have CA's kind of uh, rationale where you could still you could still kind of, uh, I guess, uh, go uphold the laws that uh, a lot of the left thinks is antithetical to free speech. But if you're kind of a free speech absolutist, that the only bulwark you're going to have against kind of shutting down these laws is a, some sort of First Amendment absolutist program, which I'm seeing a lot of uh, liberals recently kind of opining on this and this as this being a good reason why they should ultimately support free speech. Well, there, there's, there, there's two, there's, there's several uh, interviews I've seen on campuses where the people say, well, no, yeah, we're, we're for free speech, but not hate speech. Uh, and then um, I don't, I don't remember the specifics, but I do remember the specifics of the one. It was, um, Oh, uh, Steven Crowder and Steven Crowder was on, on campus and uh, they were talking about how he was interviewing this German girl from Germany. She was, you know, there to go, go to college, but she was from Germany. And uh, she was saying, oh, yeah, we, we so they got into the conversation. He's, he said, basically, I think that uh, I think Germany is a shithole country because it doesn't allow for free speech. He's like, no, 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 we have free speech. You're a liar. You're a liar. We do allow for free speech. And he's like, no, there's certain things you can say that you'll go to jail for in Germany. She's like, no, you're lying. I've worked in, I've worked. she's like, we, we don't allow hate speech. And then everybody laughed and she got mad and snatched the microphone. <laughs> but she's so brainwashed. She doesn't, she doesn't fully understand. Yeah. 
Well, yeah, I mean, there's another point which uh, I, I forgot to bring up earlier, but to one point in particular, I think kind of underscores kind of what's happening there or kind of what the, or, or kind of how, uh, uh, I guess brainless kind of the left wing position is on that when they bring up something like that is that, I mean, at least the idea of free speech should be that uh, people should feel comfortable talking whatever opinion they have or whatever on their mind. Or I think that would probably be a good litmus for it, which we're actually seeing surveys where people are much more kind of antsy or, or much more kind of perturbed about what they can say such that they don't actually say it, which I think at the very least does speak to an atmosphere in which free speech is not really that palpable. Which I, I think there's also another, I guess the leftist could retort and say that, to, oh, well, well, that's maybe because they just have very, very racist thoughts, which one is that if they have very, very racist thoughts, they have very, very racist thoughts and regardless. <laughs> right. It doesn't really make that much sense. But two, it's also probably, it's probably much more likely the case that these people just have views that are considered uh, I don't know, uh, uh, not PC on some level and they're not allowed to say it. And I think the question is there is that, uh, is that something that you would uh, ex- accept in the bounds of free speech or? If something's not PC, do you think that's ultimately something that uh, would constitute or merit hate speech in your mind? Which is well, they, they they don't want demonized. They don't want ostracized from uh, from uh, college campus. Say they don't they don't want uh, to get poor grades, um, and they don't want physically attacked. You know, there, there's people being physically attacked on college campuses because they have an opinion that's not politically correct. Yeah. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. Which I, well, political, I, political correctness is one of the worst plagues when it comes to um, freedoms I've ever seen. Yeah. And that's political correctness is, is, is 100% left. Yeah. I mean, there, there's, don't get me wrong. It, it's, it, you know, it, it influences what other people say outside the left, but it's because the Overton window keeps getting moved. But, uh, it's yeah. That's a, that's a, the whole political correctness thing. That's the whole concept is a, is one hundred percent on the left, right? Well, you're also seeing stuff that uh, is is really where I fucking despise take umbrage with the left. But you're seeing them say stuff like, uh, "Oh well, not being politically correct is basically just trying to be offensive and not considerate to people." Which, if you actually look at this, I think this is kind of like a good. Uh, I think this really does a good job of underscoring underscoring what's at stake for the left on free speech because they're in effect saying that uh, oh well, you're saying what you're saying makes people a bit uncomfortable, and it's they could view it as offensive on some level, and that's kind of the litmus that we use to say whether or not something's hate speech. Which one is that? How many fucking things can you can you be mindful of upsetting people over? You know, before you just say that uh, okay, well maybe we shouldn't really be that concerned about upsetting people, and this idea that. Uh, not saying or saying stuff that's PC uh, is the way to go, and that uh, deviating from that uh, from any sort of stretch is ultimately just trying to offend someone. I think probably invariably leads to hate speech in their minds, or I think that's kind of a good like uh, jumping off point for a lot of them, or at least emotion. Yeah, you know, I'm not I'm not a crude person uh, usually, but I have to say I love, and I saw somebody with a hat recently. Um, oh, uh, and it it's it was a Trump hat. And uh, it said, fuck your feelings. I love fuck your feelings. I really do. I told somebody that a, a couple years back. I, I love the, uh, the notion because I'm so goddamn sick of everybody catering to people's feelings. I don't give a fuck about your feelings. When I say you, I mean anybody. <laughs> I don't care about your goddamn feelings. The facts are the facts. You know, and if you disagree with the facts, then argue it out. But don't, I don't want to hear it. Don't say it because it's going to upset me or I'm going to whine or, you know, 
your speech is violence, and now your silence is violence. So you can't even. It, not only is your speech violence, your silence. If you don't fucking agree, so you can't just not say anything. If you don't advocate for their position, that's violence, right? So, so not only not only do you have to uh, not disagree with me, you have to agree with me. You have to adamantly agree with me, or you're committing violence against me. You're you're putting my life in danger, and right. that's just a load of bullshit. I don't agree with you. Fuck you. Men well, can't be women. Women can't be men. That's a fact. That's a fact. Certain groups of people commit more crimes than other groups of people. That's a fact. Men and women are different. That's a fact. If you don't like it, too fucking bad. Move to a planet where the facts are different. But on this planet, the facts are the facts. Yeah. Well, I, w- I would say to that point, uh, which I, I think it does go to show, because uh, once again, <clears throat> people, when they say they don't want to, or hate speech, they're typically talking about something that would uh, constitute racism in their mind, which you hear a lot of these same people say that, uh, oh, well, all white people are racist. Racism is like some weird, <laughs> some weird quality that somehow white people have, and they just always bring it out because they're colonizers innately and no other can be racist. And then you hear these same people say that, uh, oh, well, because all white people are racist, if they don't acknowledge it, then they're ultimately not quelling the racism. Therefore, they're propagating it, you know? Which- not, 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 not to get on, on a huge side tangent, but I, I don't understand how black people became the victims of the world. Yeah, I mean, it, it, you know, they they complain that they're victims in the United States, but there's there's people there's white people in, in in the UK that march on behalf of Black Lives Matter. Yeah, well, I was just gonna say really quickly. Uh, my my main point there was that to, I mean, a lot of these same people that say hate speeches or hate speech should be illegal are the same ones that say that to or not white people. Uh, thinking that they're not racist and not to, I guess, trying to uh, atone or rectify for it. That's ultimately propagating racism. So it really does seem like that, or it has to be that at least some of these people would advocate for a system in which if a white person literally doesn't say anything and doesn't, uh, doesn't talk about, or doesn't, uh, I don't know, try to quell their racism by making all these proclamations that they're in effect propagating racism and in effect propagating hate speech on some level, you know? Yeah, of course they would. Of course they would. You have to, you ha- not only do you have to agree with what they're saying, not only do you have to agree with their definition of terms like hate speech, um, but you have to, you have to be an outspoken advocate for their position and they can go fuck themselves because that's never going to happen with me. That's just never going to happen. I don't need to atone for shit. I didn't own a slave. I didn't live during the times of Jim, Jim Crow. Uh, nothing. I, I owe nobody anything. I've done nothing to anybody. Not, not when it comes to that sort of thing. They, I don't owe them anything. And, they're, and that's exactly what they're going to get. They're going to get nothing from me. They're not going to get an atonement. They're not going to get an apology. They're not going to get me to feel bad about it. Uh, I didn't do it. And it's not my problem. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I would, I would definitely, definitely agree with that, which uh, I, I would say kind of a segue a bit to a, another example in particular, which I, uh, aside from the abortion one, which I don't understand why the left is so, I guess, antithetical to free speech. And I haven't really seen that many liberals write stuff on this, but uh, it's something that I've always had. And it's something that I've always thought about is that if you go to a lot of these college campuses, typically like the left wing progressives or usually they'll have like normal liberals and then they'll have like crazy leftist types that I think they'll consider themselves like some form of socialist. It's that you'll see these people, if they, if they, you'll see these people be incredibly anti-Israel and they're advocate for BDS, which I always think to myself, which uh, 
obviously this is kind of an aside, but to, our country has, a, in some states, I know in mine they have it, where they have anti-BDS laws, which say that to, if you support or if you boycott Israel or particularly you support BDS as some sort of a, I guess, kind of a proxy for this, that you can't get government works or government contracts, which I personally view is very, very insane, but it's kind of an aside. But to, I always think that if we, if we, if we go to a, if we go to a sphere in which we kind of jettison free speech and don't allow for it, it does seem like, okay, well, something that now is the case where you can't boycott a country, it could very well be the case that our, our government would decide that, oh, you, if you boycott that country or make a conservative effort to boycott the country, that could be deemed as illegal or that could be deemed as hate speech, you know? Yeah, of course. Which, of course. Now, now I support Israel a hundred percent, but if somebody decides that they don't want to support Israel a hundred percent, they have that right. Yeah. Which I, I do really wonder that because I, I always hear these people, and these are the same ones that talk about hate speech laws at nauseum, or believe in hate speech at nauseum, or believe that hate speech, uh, I guess, ultimately kind of trumps free speech, but or, or trumps free speech absolutism. But uh, they'll think that, uh, oh, well, well, BDS, they'll, they'll constantly talk about BDS while not realizing that uh, it very well could be the case that uh, they could view BDS as hate speech. And to be fair, I mean, BDS... <laughs> There are, there are people in the BDS movement that have literally supported terrorists. So yeah, of course, of course, yeah, the, 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 yeah, BDS really is a is a disgusting thing. And, yeah, uh, yeah. So there are people I could see who would just not want anything to do with the, uh, you know, make it make it hate speech to where you couldn't say it at all or couldn't do anything at all. And like you said, there are certain states where you can't give government contracts and you can't get government jobs and you can't do a lot of things if you're uh, an open supporter of BDS. Right. <laughs> Once again, it just goes to show that, uh, as, I guess, at least from a practical level, it seems to be that the left thinks that, uh, oh, well, if we get rid of free speech, it's just going to it's just going to get rid of hate speech. It's not going to do anything else to these good things that we support. You know, it's not going to cause us problems in, in those realms. Yeah, should... well, they're, they're not logical. They're not logical people. Yeah. Which I, I do kind of wonder, and I, I, I definitely want to look at more of the history of this, but Usually when I hear left-wingers, I mean, someone like Noam Chomsky is a free speech absolutist, and he could not be more of like a rabid leftist, you know? <laughs> and he, he constantly wants to say that, uh, you know, it's pretty ridiculous that the left is the ones, are the ones that are uh, against free speech nowadays, because they were the ones that were for it in the 50s and 60s when free speech absolutism really got, kind of made its mark, you know? And, yeah, it, it is strange how things have flip-flopped on that. Yeah. Which, I, I mean, it's, it's interesting because you almost see like an inversion where... Now it's seen as that, uh, oh, well, the, if you advocate for free speech absolutism, then you're advocating for hate speech, and that's horrible, which it used to be the case, and that's obviously more of like an emotional kind of left-wing argument, but I've heard leftists argue, and once again, I'm not to, I'm, I'm not quite clear of the history on this. I, I guess I'll take their words at it, but if you look at a lot of like particularly European countries where they were starting to advocate for free speech in like the 19th, 20th century, the ones that were against it, it was typically the right, and the mindset was it was almost like an inversion of the kind of of it of it being hate leading to hate speech. And at the time, it was that oh well, these kind of like lower classes they want to advocate, they want to be able to say what they want to say. That can't be allowed for. They're kind of just naturally poor, and they're going to have inferior ideas, you know. Right. Which the irony now is that it's the same thing with the with the the, the left wingers are saying the same thing where they're saying that oh, you want people to say whatever they want to say, but that's just going to lead to hate speech. You know, <laughs> right. and it very well may. Yeah, that that's the two, that's the two. You know, freedom, freedom is dangerous. Conformity is not dangerous. Conformity is where everybody does exactly the same thing as everybody else does, and nobody disagrees on anything, and everybody lo- goes in lockstep. 
It doesn't seem dangerous immediately, but it is dangerous because it leads to things like, and I hate to bring this up because too many people bring it up. It leads to things like Nazi Germany. It leads to things like North Korea. When you don't have the right to have your own opinions, when you don't have your right to have your own views on things and to, to express those views, and you have to go along with the crowd. And if you don't, there's, there's not, not just being ostracized, but you, there's actual violence involved. Yeah. Yeah, I would definitely, uh, I would definitely agree with that, which sometimes you'll hear people say that, uh, which, this is always one of the things that baffles me is they think that, uh, oh, well, if you obviously kind of a tapered down hate speech, then, then you wouldn't have things like Nazi Germany in the first place, or that would be a way to actually call this, which... One is that that has to be like the most hand wavy, just like throwing things out there <laughs> right. I've ever heard. Which, I mean, the one thing I, I guess a couple of points on that is that uh, the whole idea of free speech—that if you actually follow it to the nth degree, you allow everyone to have their speech. You know, which I mean, maybe you could argue that some people that advocate for, I guess, malicious or what I would call for malicious things, maybe they ultimately don't believe in free speech at the end of the day, and they're just using it as cover, but. I still think that something like 99% of people that believe in free speech absolutism, they believe in it for their enemies as well. Yeah, I, I do. I believe in it for my enemies. I, I think that Alex Jones is, is, is part con artist, part batshit crazy. And I, I think he's an absolute fucking scumbag. But do I think that he should have been thrown off of Twitter and Facebook and all that and YouTube? No. Do I think that people should have taken extreme measures to make sure that they could silence him? No. Now, do I think that the families had the right to sue him for telling flat out fucking lies? Yes. Right. That's different. That's different. If you if it's a if it's a provable lie and you keep saying it and you can show damage, then yeah, that's something different. But as far as silencing him not, not being able to say anything, no, I don't I don't I don't believe that. I don't believe that's right. Yeah. Well, the other thing, too, is that, I guess, to my point, that uh, they have this idea that uh, a lot of right-wingers ultimately don't believe in free speech is that if you look at, I remember, particularly with, like, the Twitter, <laughs> which has kind of been a fiasco for, for the most part with uh, Elon Musk, but uh, I remember he cut off or he threw off a bunch of left-wing accounts, and some of this was by accident, some of it was viewed as unjustified, is that if you look at the people that were the first ones to defend these left-wingers getting thrown out, it was right-wingers. They right. said, no, you shouldn't be allowed to do this. We've been through this. It absolutely fucking sucks. It, this is going to be a free speech platform. It has to be a free speech platform for enemies as well. Whereas the left didn't hold that standard. They said when the right wingers getting kicked off, they thought it was great. And when the left, oh, they were happy. Yeah, and when they were getting kicked off, they thought, oh, well, this shows how unfounded this is. These people are unjust. It's this is a crappy platform. <laughs> right. Everyone's everything. Like, yeah, they totally flip flopped on their positions. Yeah. yeah. Oh, we're screwing you. Sounds good. You're screwing us. Nah, this is not fair. Yeah. <laughs> you literally, I mean, you literally saw essays being written or people would like put like a side by side on essays written and where somebody would basically, uh, or, or a left winger in like 2018, 2019, when right wingers getting kicked off, they would say, oh, well, Twitter's a private company. They should be able to do what they want. And then when they started kicking off leftists, they're like, well, you have to regulate these private companies. <laughs> <laughs> of course speech is imperative you know double standards double standards so so ridiculous so blatant such such hypocrites yeah the hypocrisy is is, is just astounding you know yeah kick the right one key everybody that disagrees with me kick them off oh you're kicking me off no 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 now you've gone too far yeah 
He's like, this is a bridge too far. This is hate speech. <laughs> now you've gone too far. Now you're being now you're being a Nazi. Yeah, I and you kind of wonder though because, uh, and this is something I've even seen with uh, kind of right wingers where the right like declarations or the right laws in particular. I know Florida did this where they wrote like a free speech or or it was some sort of law like uh, regulating like or was it wasn't regulating. It was trying to gauge like sediments amongst professors and trying to also kind of uphold kind of free speech standards and. If you looked at the law, it was very weird because they said that, oh, well, you can advocate for free speech, but you can't advocate for hate speech. <laughs> and I remember thinking to myself, it's that aren't you ultimately just playing kind of the left, the leftist kind of game here where right. you keep delineating between free speech and hate speech? Which I, Yeah, well, that's, that's the sad thing about the Overton window being moved is because the, the advocate, advocation for free speech, it gets muddied, not just by it gets it's completely destroyed by the left. But then it gets muddy on the right because the right tries to capitulate to the left. Yeah. And so it's 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 a nasty little nasty little issue. I'm for free speech. Free speech? Hey, I'm half Jewish. You want you want to hate Jews? You want to talk about how much you hate Jews? Go ahead. Yeah. Go ahead. It, it, it doesn't bother me. Yeah. I mean, I'm I'll engage in debate with you if you wanted to engage in debate. I'll make you make you look like a fool. But you know, say what you want to say. Yeah. But it, it really is something I see, which uh, I'll constantly see people, del- or I brought this up earlier, but really the one thing I'm wondering is constant delineation between free speech and hate speech. And usually they'll try to, I guess, demarcate it by saying that, oh, well, one can be considered in good faith while the other can't, which, I mean, one is kind of loaded because, I mean, a Nazi could very well be thinking they're acting in good faith. Right. When, when, I, when I say that, as, as my example earlier, when I say that transgender is a mental illness and shouldn't be encouraged, that, that I'm, I'm, being, I'm, I'm saying that in good faith. I, I completely mean that. I'm not, that's not something I'm just making up or I'm being hateful about. Right. Which I, I guess the one thing I wonder is that uh, kind of the shifting of the overturn window, if you will, where they keep delineating here. Is this ultimately what's I, is this ultimately invariably leading to kind of like anti-free speech sediments because yes. anti-free speech uh, absolutist sediments because i've seen something like the new york times where in particular i referenced it before but they wrote a big op-ed on how they feel like free speech is under attack or i think it was more so kind of bent towards cancel culture which is obviously very much a uh, uh, pertinent to free speech but uh, they said that oh well i think we think uh, we think free speech be allowed for and we think hate speech should still be abhorred. And then they, and then at the end, they posited that okay, well, hate speech is still free speech technically, but it's a different kind of speech. And I'm like, which I, I remember thinking to myself, okay, to some extent, are they playing cognitive dissonance there? And also, could it be the case that to some of these people could still kind of use this like weird, weird categorization of hate speech and free speech while ultimately conceding at the same time that oh well, hate speech actually is free speech technically. Well, hopefully, hopefully it won't change. But it, the U.S. Supreme Court uh, decided that hate speech is covered under free speech. Right. And so hopefully that won't change. Who knows? I mean, it's a more of a conservative court now. And it would have even been more conservative if Trump had, a, had a taken office for a second term because he would have been the one putting in an additional um, justice instead of instead of Biden. So that would have been made it even further to the right. But hopefully... Um, hate, hopefully all speech will be covered under free speech as it is currently. Yeah. I mean, you can only hope for. I mean, another kind of a interesting avenue of this, and I think we talked about it with one of our 
I guess former guest, or I guess he was particularly pertinent in this. But uh, if you look at groups like the ACLU, which I mean, I've even heard Glenn Greenwald make the point that uh, when he was growing up in the seventies, his politics basically modeled at the time what was the ACLU at the time, and it was particularly Jewish lawyers that were defending Nazis while being incredibly left wing on everything. <laughs> but they also understood kind of the imperative of free speech, and it. If you look at a, in a group like the ACLU, and Glenn Greenwald will talk about this a lot, is that you can look at them and it's basically just evolving into like a left wing kind of cesspool where you literally have like their workers advocating for or advocating for people being arrested who make catcalls <laughs> while not understanding that that would almost certainly be something that should be protected by free speech, even though it's kind of a dick thing to do. You know? Right. Which it is, it is kind of a dick thing to do, but it is free speech. Yeah. Which I mean, even you see that to. A, a group like the ACLU is that I think they have three lawyers that work full time on free speech issues, and that hasn't changed in years, which shows that uh, something that advocates for civil liberties, which I think free, I think First Amendment rights should probably be the biggest civil liberty, that that's ultimately being super, that's ultimately being uh, jettisoned by other things, other priorities, amongst yeah, them. of course, of course, yeah, and you know the thing is is that they they advocated for free speech when it was popular, when it was popular on the left. Now that it's not popular on the left, it's no longer there. It's no longer a focus for them. Yeah, I should say that uh, they're still, regardless, they still support to uh, they still support free speech absolutism. You're just seeing a kind of shifting away from that, and I think kind of a good uh, a good vignette for this uh, a good vignette uh, for this, which uh, uh, relates to Jason Kessler, was a. Uh, they after they secured the permit for Charlottesville, they said they weren't going to secure or they weren't going to help. Uh, I guess kind of hateful or I guess what they deemed as like hateful groups, uh, secure permits or stuff anymore any longer, which uh, I don't know. That's certainly something that's giving up on free speech. A lot. Not yeah. They're, they're, they're abandoning their principles on free speech. Yeah. Which I mean, it was literally the ACLU, which I mean, this seems kind of crazy now and I'm maybe there would be cases where they wouldn't even allow for this, but it was literally the ACLU that allowed for, uh, I forget what the Nazi, I think his name was, his name was Frank something. He actually turned out to be half Jewish. His real name was like Frank Cohen, but he wanted to lead a Nazi rally in Skokie, Illinois, which at the time, at the time, it, I think it had the most Holocaust survivors in the United States per capita, where it was, I believe, I believe I'm quoting it correctly, where it was about a third of the residents were either Holocaust survivors themselves or descendants of Holocaust survivors. Right. And at the time, the ACLU literally fought for them to get a permit so they could do a Nazi rally there. I mean, <laughs> if that's... <laughs> That has to be the most First Amendment absolutist thing you could possibly do, you know, right? Putting the most hateful people known to man, uh, allowing them to protest in a Jewish area and allowing them to protest in a Jewish area known for holo- known for uh, Holocaust survivors. I mean, I, some people view that as crazy and they get so offended by it, whereas I think that good, if you're allowing them to speak, then you're allowing everyone to speak and we don't have to worry about this stuff, you know? Exactly. Exactly. Hey, listen, it's a hor- it's a horrible thing for, for them to do. For the for the you know the Nazis to do to, to march and, and Skokie and and all the things they say and do and believe horrible stuff, but should they be able to do it? Yeah, yeah. I'm like, good. I that means that that means that if we have a country like that, then we're not going to have to worry about kind of the more trivial. Uh, I guess as I've said before, kind of like I guess less objectively bad kind of hates or less less objectively bad kind of speech or that uh, isn't discernibly just horrible all around <laughs> like like presumably what the nazis are doing there yeah as crazy as it sounds every time a black guy dies the black people claim and and, and you know white people on the left claim that he was he was uh, killed unjustly by the police 
um, even when he's not killed by the police, where he just dies as a you know general interaction with the police, they they say that it's the police's fault and the police murdered him. They'll they'll say those kind of extreme things. Well, that's you know playing the race card and absolutely batshit crazy and just the the dumbest goddamn thing I could think of, or one of the dumbest things. They have a right to say that. They have a right to, to, you know, they're a pain in the ass and and they're constantly playing the victim card and, and they refuse to, you know, abide by the laws. And yet they get upset when they when they die in the process. I, I guess the police are supposed to let, you know, black guys shoot them in the face and uh, not fight back. And that's the only way that, you know, that's the only way they're going to be happy. But, you know, so th- it's crazy, but they're, they're, they have the right to advocate whatever they want to advocate for. If they want to, if they want to say that, hey, these these cops are murdering us, they they had the right to say that. It's bullshit. Um, Mendez um, thinks that 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 uh, that Keenan Williams or Keenan uh, Anderson, Keenan Anderson, the cousin of uh, one of the oh, uh, founders of uh, or co-founders of Black Lives Matter, he died. He he, he uh, tried to tried to carjack or tried to steal a car. And the cops pulled him over and they had to tase him because he was acting all wacky. Apparently he was high on drugs. And uh, apparently like four hours later, he died of a heart attack. And they're trying to say that the cops murdered him because they tased him. Well, tasing is non-lethal. Is it possible that somebody could die because they've got a heart condition or because they've got, you know, they're high on drugs and it's too much for their heart? Sure. But that's that's on you. <laughs> if if I if you're robbing a bank and I'm a cop and I show up and I chase you down the street and you've got heart problems and you drop over dead from exhaustion from trying to outrun me, that's on you. <laughs> I didn't murder you. Yeah, yeah. I'm but not... if somebody if somebody wants to make that claim, they're welcome to make that claim. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I I like it particular with that case that uh, I think they keep saying that he was an English uh, high school English teacher. Uh, I guess basically saying that he was like, he was like a, I guess a good member of his community or something, or it was like a. Yeah, yeah he was he was he was a good member of his community that was high on cocaine because they found cocaine they found cocaine and marijuana in his blood, so high amounts of cocaine. So he was a good member of commu- the community that was high on cocaine, and he was a teacher. They show they've got video and pictures of him being a teacher. So. He's got. He was high on cocaine, trying to steal somebody's car, and then and then went wacky and tried to fight the police when the police tried to talk to him. Right. Yeah. <laughs> that's how it goes. I mean, I, I hope that's. I you know, folks, I, I hope that you're not saying that's a, a good example of uh, a upstanding citizen in the black community, because if it is, then you've got more problems. Than I thought. Yeah. <laughs> Which. Uh... Yeah, unfortunately. I mean, other people have made this point at nauseum, but uh, they'll call, they'll say they're kind of like uh, figureheads for Black Lives Matter, for, for I guess, Black Black Lives Mattering. Uh, it's people like uh, George Floyd, who really his whole life was just torturing black people <laughs> just to be yeah. to them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. George Floyd putting a, a shotgun up to the, uh, a loaded shotgun up, up to a, the barrel up to up against a pregnant woman's stomach, a black woman, by the way, while his friends robbed the house. Yeah. Yeah, that's some good stuff. St. George Floyd. And they're welcome to call them. They're welcome to pretend that. If they want to pretend that George Floyd was some kind of saint, they're welcome to. Yeah. I mean, anybody that's rational that has two brain cells to rub together is going to know that's complete bullshit, but they're welcome to say it. Yeah. 
I'm sure it's the case that a lot of these people would think that, uh, oh, well, some some guy that was like, a, I, don't, I don't even know what they would call him. <laughs> I guess they literally call him St. George Floyd, but some guy that was this terrible victim of police brutality is, you guys are disdaining, you guys are, uh, I guess, abhorring. <laughs> and they could view that, oh, that should be hate speech. Well, I mean, other people could argue that, once again, that uh, George Floyd was a fucking drug addict and you guys are lionizing him, which <laughs> maybe that's hate speech. He was a criminal jackass. I don't believe that Derek Chauvin is what caused his death. They say that they say that he, he couldn't breathe. That he was yelling, "I can't breathe." But if you watch the extended video before they even pulled him out of his car, he was saying, "I can't breathe." So whose knee was on his neck when he was being when he was sitting in his car? Yeah. So they 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 they, they made Derek Chauvin a, a sacrificial lamb because they were hoping that that would lower the chances or minimize the riots that, that were inevitably going to happen. And it's all bullshit. But that's free speech. As much as I fucking hate it, as much as I think people that, that come up with this bullshit and constantly play the, the, the victim card while they're, the, while they're the perpetrators. Oh, I'm the perpetrator, but I'm actually the victim. I, I, as much as I hate that shit, they have the right to, to say the bullshit that they say. Yeah, I definitely agree, which, uh, yeah, that, that I definitely hate. And uh, I would, I'd also think that uh, also that, uh, I mean, I think that would be speech that probably invariably led to violence on some level, which obviously you could argue that uh, the violence is something else and you can't quite, uh, you can't quite root it to that. But that would be something that would seemingly be a pretty good case of, uh, in their minds, that uh, they like the speech of, they like to see violent, they like to have this idea that violence leads directly, or uh, speech leads directly to violence. And I think that might, actually might be a kind of good. Uh, oh, it is. That, that, that's a good example of speech leading directly to violence. No doubt in my mind. However, they still had the right to say it. Yeah, I agree. Which, uh, once again, it's people might be baffled that uh, you could say something like that, which the whole point of free speech is that uh, you can't quite say that one person can't speak. Because there's going to be so many other people where it's not quite as objective, and other people are going to think they're objectively wrong. You really, you really, you really just can't avoid that. That's just nope. like, which uh, it's a hate speech is hate speech to you probably ninety nine point nine percent of the time. Yeah, saying saying that God doesn't exist is considered hate speech. Right. Uh, drawing a, a drawing, a, you know, saying anything about Muhammad, you can't even draw the guy, or it's hate speech. Yeah. Um, you know, just any, anything, anything, anything is considered hate speech by somebody. Yeah. I think, I think I should say that uh, kind of the one last thing or one last thing I wanted to bring up, which uh, I forgot about, but, uh, another thing I, I've been particularly interested in the left is that, uh, they'll, they'll seemingly, uh, they'll do this like kind of like a weird equivocal thing where they'll say that, oh, well, I'm pro-free speech in that they'll think that, okay, well, maybe they shouldn't go to prison or something. But then they'll say that, well, I can respond any way I want to those people, and that should also be free speech, which I, I've heard people also argue this. And once again, that does jibe well with, I guess, theoretically, that is free speech. But I also think on a practical level, the problem with these people is that, once again, the whole point of free speech is that you want people to say what – you want people to feel comfortable saying what their opinions are. You know, Well, they're, they're anti-free speech. Um, they're, they're, they, they, they're, they're anti-free speech, but then when they, they show up at a, a say, a, late, a lecture or, uh, you know, some sort of, sort of speech given by somebody at a university, they think, they argue that blowing, a, that, that whistle, blowing into a whistle or screaming into a bullhorn is, is equivalent to free speech. Yeah. <laughs> 
like, you should you screaming at the top of your lungs so that somebody else can't speak is not free speech. Yeah, There's, it's just not. It's 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 it, you know you blowing into a police whistle while somebody's trying to talk is not free speech. Yeah, there's something I, I love. <laughs> there was like I think it was like one of the Comedy Central <laughs> shows where somebody like would basically shout down a speaker, and then this person while they were interviewing him, every time they tried to talk, they just used a blowhorn. <laughs> yeah, which is not free speech. Yeah, which is basically at the least supposed to underscore that okay, well you you get to see how obnoxious your your tactics your tactics are. Right. Yeah. It's it's amazing to me. Yeah. It's a, it's absolutely amazing to me that they'll, they'll they're such free, free speech absolutists when they're trying to shut somebody else's down that they they consider blowing into a police whistle as free speech. Yeah, which I guess my uh, back to the point I was making though, and I, I made this a little bit before, but I, I really also see liberals do this, and I think this is maybe maybe kind of like a more minute aspects of free speech, and maybe doesn't have as much to do with like free speech absolutism, or maybe isn't quite abs- uh, antithetical to it, but. I, I truly do see like this weird shift and I don't know if you've seen it as well, where they'll constantly say that, oh, well, I am pro free speech, just that I respond the way I want to respond, which is correct to some extent. But I really do think it's kind of undercutting like a practical aspect of free speech, which I think was kind of raised very astutely in the New York Times speech, which is you want people to feel comfortable saying what they want to say, you know, and I think I think really I think the crux of a lot of this is that I think people get way too emotional they ultimately just assume that people are acting in some sort of bad faith, which once again is kind of the irony because the, the priest, the, a lot of these kind of liberals, they like to say that, Oh, well, we know when somebody's acting in good faith and that's what, that's what we kind of bear in mind. And we can obviously delineate or discern when somebody's not doing it, which I mean, it, once again, if somebody gets so emotional about these things and thinks free thinks hate speech or have hate speech on their mind constantly, they're probably not, they're probably not. They're probably not someone that's uh, <laughs> very sane. They're probably someone that's very emotional and is going to think that a lot of things are out to get them, which is ultimately going to, I guess, invariably lead to a lot of these people thinking that hate speech is ultimately going to be violence, and it's something that's really, really uh, unsafe or really something that's really uh, not palatable whatsoever for them. I, I have to be honest. I'm not sure if I, I believe that they believe that. I mean, maybe they do. I, I just think it hurts their feelings. I don't. I don't think that they think it's really going to lead to violence. You know, it's, it's like uh, the one woman argued that, um, oh, I can't think of what her name is. She's one of the, what they call the squad. She's the black chick with the bald head. I can't, I can't think of her name. Is that but, name Presley something? What's that? I think her last name's Presley. Yeah, something like that. So she was saying that, uh, that changing the U.S. policy on, on trade with China is hate speech and it's going to lead to violence and hate in America. Yeah. Some black guy that's beating the shit out of Asians in New York. He's going to be like, Hmm, what is the policy? What's the U S trade policy with China? Should I fuck somebody up that looks like they're Chinese? Hmm. (laughs) 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 You know, I wasn't going to fuck him up, but, uh, I, I believe that the the change in the U.S. trade policy with China, oh, I think I think that calls for an ass whooping. <laughs> well, the other thing is that maybe you could argue it drums up negative sentiments. But I mean, are these people? I mean, honestly, like in New York City, uh, like with a lot of like Hasidic Jews getting attacked by like fifteen year old black kids. Are they really yeah. know what BDS stands for? Are they really familiar with government policies, international trade policies? I think I think not. I could be wrong, but I'm pretty sure that's not the case. 
you know, they're like, oh, you ma- you manipulate our currency. I'm gonna have to manipulate your face. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna have to manipulate your face. <laughs> You're stomping on our freedoms. That's why I'm stomping on your head. Yeah, they always bring up the stupid Congo. I think even I think if Jared Taylor made the point, he's like, oh, well, Trump once called it Kong flu, so they now Asians have to beat him up, even though they fucking hate Trump. But they they'll listen to him on Kong flu. I always wonder, like, like in their minds, they're like some black guys, like a Kong flu. I got to use Kong flu on him. Yeah. <laughs> Kong flu. I'll Kong flu you. <laughs> Such bullshit. Yeah, fresh out of prison, he's like, hmm. Let me get a hold of a newspaper so I can find out what's going on with U.S. trade uh, with China. Oh, oh, oh I'm going to fuck some Asians up today. Yeah, good thing I was just reading the newspaper every day. No. <laughs> <laughs> good thing I was. Good thing I was in the business section. I wouldn't have known anything about this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I was going to say to your to your point to. Uh, about you, you believing that uh, they don't even really believe that it's just all about feelings. I don't. I think I don't really think you can distinguish. I think it's. I think yes, it's all about feelings. But once you get so emotional about something, you just think everyone's out to get you. <laughs> you know, right. everyone's a harm. I. I really don't think you can distinguish. I. I think once they're emotional, the their rational faculties are really just. Uh, really just superseded by kind of this <laughs> this kind of like red hot emotion. I think that's really. I really. I truly do not think you can distinguish. Oh, you might be right. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. I, I'm not an emotional person, as you know. And uh, so I can't really relate to people getting overly emotional about pretty much anything. Yeah. Well, the other good thing about free speech is that uh, it's one of those things where sometimes there are issues that I support where it doesn't seem like a lot of intelligent people support it or there's not enough intelligent people supporting it. But if you look at free speech, you it pretty much unambiguously shows from every study that the more intelligent you are, the more likely you are to support you, the more likely you are to be a free speech absolutist. Right. Which obviously that shows that the people understand kind of the pitfalls of really just trying to, trying to regulate speech and then how it's ultimately going to be something untenable or it's going to lead to much more pernicious outcomes than it's actually going to solve. Yeah. When, when somebody says something that you don't like, and instead of arguing it back, you're like, you're making me mad. That's not that's not a sign of intelligence. That's not a sign of being clever. Yeah, which I think uh, I guess I, I, another point I forgot to make is that uh, I, I mean, once again, what they'll argue is that uh, and I, maybe there's validity to this to some extent, but they argue basically if you if you go about exposing people or if you don't let people be exposed to beliefs, then they're not going to believe it in the first place. Which I really think that if people can, if it's really the case that people can't be introduced to certain beliefs. And that's the only thing that's stopping that people from believing hateful things. It doesn't seem like there's really much hope for society. It seems like you're giving a very uh, pessimistic kind of view on, on people and thinking that they really have no sort of rational faculties, you know? Well, well, people used to argue that as far as like, you know, introducing atheist beliefs. Well, if you, if you let people know that there's no consequences when they die for, uh, you know, committing bad acts, then they're just going to do whatever they want to do. It's, it's, you know, it's something that they shouldn't, they shouldn't know because it's not good for them to know. No. Yeah. You don't, you don't try to, you don't try to keep people ignorant as a way to keep them under control. At least I don't think so. 
Well, it does seem like that, I mean, from a practical level, that if that's the only bulwark that uh, you can't let people be introduced to these views, it seems like that people, there's probably, people are probably just going to be these horrible, horrible people regardless. <laughs> Literally, the <laughs> only thing stopping them is that, uh, oh, well, you don't let them be introduced to these beliefs. You know, <laughs> it seems like that, that uh, if that's actually your account of human nature, it seems like that human nature is in a much worse, in a much more kind of perilous place than you. <laughs> Than, than you actually uh, would concede. And I think that would, if that uh, account of human nature is correct, which I obviously don't think it is, then that would probably mean the case that, uh, well, I don't even think it really matters. People are just going to believe just fucking crazy batch. People are just going to believe crazy stuff regardless. It's not even right. about uh, regulating what they can actually kind of see, you know, which, uh, I mean, I think most of that's kind of, that's like almost like a weird, like Hobbesian <laughs> view that uh, if you let people, if you let people think for themselves, then they're going to believe absolutely horrible things. Then <laughs> that may be the case. Yeah. You know, like I said, if freedom is dangerous. Freedom is very dangerous. Uh, people can be free to think good things. They can be free to think bad things. They can say good things. They can say bad things. They can say intelligent things. They can say stupid things. They can say rational things or crazy things. That's that's you know that's the double edged sword of freedom. You can't yeah. you can't be just freedom for good stuff that you agree with. Because that's not freedom. Yeah, I know there, there was this one. Uh, there was this one. Um, oh, post I forget. It was years ago, and it, I don't even remember what where it was at. that I read it, but um, <clears throat> oh, um, leftist leftist policies are so good. Good, they're mandatory. Something like that. It was funny. <laughs> that they're so good, good that they're mandatory. They, you know, what I mean, like they they force you to do it. That's how good it is. Yeah. I suppose the only the only level where I would give uh, particular or the only thing I would give particular credence to the idea that uh, maybe maybe you would see better things just regulating speech is particularly if you look at a lot of like the vac- the vaccine stuff where it seems like a lot of anti-vaxxers that uh, are proven false still have a lot of validity and people still follow them or people still confer a lot of validity onto them then I think maybe that maybe there could be like a tr- maybe there could be like a hypothetical where you you ask yourself uh, Okay, if these people were basically just muzzled and not allowed to speak, would you have higher rates of vaccination <laughs> and people not kind of espousing conspiracy theories? Or conspiracy- I, I don't know. I, I don't know. The, the, the thing is, is that people that, that are anti-vaccine, they say they're not. But a lot of it is it's trendy because it's trendy on the right to be anti-vaccine. But a lot, a lot of it is, is that there's a lot of people that are just anti-vaccine in general not they, they always say well no i'm all for vaccines i'm just against this one but if you really talk to most people that are anti-vaccine they're anti-vac they're anti-flu shot they're anti any kind of vaccine they don't want their kids to get vaccinated when they were small children um they you know they, they they're they're big and they, they're easy they easily buy into conspiracy theories you know they they doubt the moon landing they think 9-11 was an inside job they believe in crisis actors just all sorts of crazy shit. Usually, when you open the Pandora's box to crazy stuff, it's, it's some the, the the people that are going to buy into it aren't just the average person. It's going to be the it's going to be people that are kind of conspiratorial minded. Yeah, I, I would say that that actually might be, or at least from what I've seen, that actually might be an. <laughs> and obviously, this is just kind of a hypothetical, and maybe I'm more so just playing devil's advocate here, but. Uh, I think in the vaccine, the case with vaccine actually is probably the best argument for kind of muzzling free speech. And I think, I think in particular, what you see kind of with the Pandora's box is that uh, if you look before the before the pandemic in 2019, it was showed that something like 20 percent of uh, conservatives or kind of right leaning people, and uh, that uh, they believe that uh, you shouldn't have to vaccinate your kid if you don't want to. 
which now that's at 46%, I guess, yeah. four years later, which is trendy. Yeah. Which I think maybe that uh, you have to wonder what kind of a drum that up, but it's probably just anti-vaccine sentiments. And there's a question of, uh, well, if that's, if that's what drums it up, how exactly do you call that from happening? And it seems like the most efficient way to kind of quell it might actually just be to not allow, not allow these people to say what they're saying, you know? <laughs> like, yeah, but I'm not for that. No, I, I realized too, it's just another point where what, uh, somebody made this point. I was thinking that there actually might be some validity to that retort into I would say as well that, uh, and one of the things I've kind of wondered in this, and obviously this is definitely an aside, but I also think it might be the case in a lot of uh, European countries that uh, you you probably have as much of the population that's anti-vax. It's just that because you because the the country had the wherewithal to make their lives very uncomfortable, those people got vaccinated. Yeah. Which I mean, I guess I guess I think if you did something like the United States where you just made their lives very uncomfortable, I think a lot of them would invariably get vaccinated and they would still have probably the same opinions on the vax. But uh, I really don't know, which obviously. Yeah, yeah, that's 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 a difficult thing to know. I I don't really you know, that's one of the reasons why I'm glad I live in the United States, though, because we're we're the freest country on the planet. Um, And I I don't know how long that's going to last because the left is trying to change that, as we've been discussing. But. Um, that's, you know, I, I definitely don't want to go by the European model. Yeah. Which I, I love, I love Liberty. I love the idea that I don't have to worry about what I say. Uh, What shocks me is if you say something online that the UK and other countries in the Europe will actually uh, hunt you down and prosecute you for things you said online that that they consider hate speech. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah, that is that is insane. I, I guess my other point there, and obviously kind of viewing uh, free speech purely from the domain of just liberty, a lot of the vaccine stuff might show that uh, well, when people are given a, a kind of carte blanche to do what they want and give them a lot of liberty, they might do some really stupid shit with it too, relative to the people that don't have uh, quite as much liberty. Which uh, yeah, that's one of the that's that's part of the double edged sword. Okay, well, I think we need to wrap it up at this point. Did you have any last quick thing to say before we wrap it up? Uh, no, I think we pretty much uh, made all the points we wanted to make. Okay. Again, this is uh, the Conservative Atheist Podcast. I was joined by my co-host, Brighter Later. And we're talking about free speech and uh, the fact that the left seems to hate it currently. And uh, we are free speech absolutists. And, uh, we, you know, we advocate for everybody to have free speech, even the people we 100% disagree with. And believe me, there's some people out there that I would love to be able to shut them up, but I won't because I want them to be able to speak just like I want myself to be able to speak and, and brighter later to be able to speak and anybody else. And you can't shut somebody else up without the possibility of you being shut up in the, in the future. And you, and you can't really have your beliefs tested if you're shutting everybody up that, that disagrees with you. So, you know, so free speech, everybody, free speech. All right. Well, this is again, this is the Conservative Atheist Podcast. We drop a podcast Monday through Friday. In other words, Sunday into Monday morning after 12.01 Eastern Standard Time. And the last one comes in, uh, is dropped uh, Thursday night into Friday morning after 12.01 Eastern Standard Time. And they last anywhere from one to two to three hours. In fact, we've had a, a one that's lasted well over three hours. Uh, it, it all depends on the topic we're discussing. It all depends on the, the guests that we're interviewing. We interview everybody that we've interviewed world famous people and people that nobody's ever heard of and everybody in between. Uh, we try, and it also depends on the topic we're talking about. 
we try to give you the best possible conversations from all sorts of different perspectives, uh, ones that we agree with, ones we disagree with. And uh, I, I think it makes for a really good podcast. We do, we do the best we can for you. Uh, we also have a Patreon, and the Patreon is the, – the link is going to be in the description of every podcast. And uh, basically, you, you, we're going to do video podcasts so you can see what we look like for whatever that's worth. And uh, it comes with all sorts of perks and merchandise uh, and um, bonus material. And it starts at $5 a month, which is basically pennies a day. And it's a way to help us help support create the podcast and uh, our efforts. So I appreciate it. If not, you can still subscribe to uh, the Conservative Atheist podcast. We're in. We're on well over almost sixty platforms, uh, podcast platforms. So pretty much Apple, Spotify, and any any other one you could possibly think of. Simply type in Conservative Atheist. Look for the clown face, my face, and clown makeup with the uh, American flag around it, and you've come to the right place. Um. So that's it. That is it. Uh, I look forward to talking to you next time. Thanks for listening. One last thing before I let you go. Tonight, when you're laying in the dark, flat on your back in your bed, Staring up at the ceiling, drifting off into sleep. I want you to repeat this mantra over and over and over again. Conservative atheist is always right. 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 Hey, conservative atheist is always right. And in the morning when you wake up, you're going to feel like a refreshed, renewed person. The sun is going to shine brighter. The air is going to feel crisper. The flowers are going to smell sweeter. And the birds are going to sing your name. And all will be right with the world. And if not, maybe you're some liberal lefty, Democrat, that hates free speech. And forgets that it's the First Amendment in the U.S. Constitution. But if you listen to more conservative atheist podcasts... Maybe I can get your head uh, screwed on straight for you, and you'll be able to live a, uh, a productive life as a patriotic U.S. citizen who respects the Constitution and respects other people's rights to have their own opinions and express those opinions through free speech. All right, you knuckleheads, thanks for listening. I'll talk to you next time.